I wish all of you a good morning. Welcome to Grace Bible Church Gainesville service for February 18th, 2024. And again, it's an honor to be able to share God's Word with everyone today. As Pastor Brandon takes a break from his teaching on what is the church, and he'll jump back into that next week, but this morning we'll head back into the Psalms. And Psalm 22, and we've been slowly walking through Psalm 22, and because it's an amazing psalm, Psalm 22 is really in a set of three psalms. We have Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24, and they're sometimes called the shepherd psalms because we have in Psalm 22, we have the suffering shepherd, and then in Psalm 23, we have the living shepherd, and then in Psalm 24, we have the exalted sovereign shepherd. And these three psalms, they fit beautifully together. And so we've been walking through Psalm 22 and looking at the suffering shepherd. And again, Psalm 22 is written by David, but it goes beyond David, way beyond David. And Peter in Acts chapter 2 called David a prophet, and David did write a lot about our coming Lord Jesus, the, the Messiah. And Psalm 22 is one of these Futuristic looks at the cross and the crucifixion. And when we break Psalm 22 down, we can see how it begins in verses 1 through 5 with this abandonment from God. And then we see in verses 6 through 11, despised by the people. And then in verses 12 through 18, we have this amazing description of a crucifixion. And then in verses 19 through 21, we have this trust in Yahweh, this unending trust. And that brings us up to today. Today we're going to look at verses 22 through 31. And what we'll see today is now there's a change. David will change the tone of the psalm. And I think what we get to see is the resurrection. So the glory of the cross, part three. And this Psalm 22, again, written by David as he ex- he's expressing something going on in his life, but it's the most out-of-place psalm that he's written, because it doesn't really fit anything that's happening in his life. But there's a good reason for that, because it comes into focus when we see our Lord on the cross. And again, it's this limited fulfillment, this limited fulfillment. It it, it can be related to what's happening to David at the time he wrote it, but its fullest fulfillment is still future, when our Lord Jesus hangs on the cross. And again, Psalm 22 is this amazing piece of writing, the way it fits what happened to our Lord. In fact, if we, if you and I, knowing everything that we already know about what happened to our Lord on that Friday, if we sat down and we tried to write something about the crucifixion and then the resurrection, it would be hard to top what David wrote here, even for us looking back. Because remember, David's looking forward to the cross. We're looking back as history And for David, it was future. And what he wrote, it captured in such detail as the Holy Spirit carried him along. And again, we have the Holy Spirit guiding David as he wrote this. And again, some 800 years before crucifixion was even invented, the most horrible way to kill someone ever invented. In fact, we get the word excruciating. It comes from the Latin word cross. And excruciating fits the cross well. 
And David wrote this so we can see again what our Lord Jesus was thinking as he's going through all of this, all of what he did for us on the cross. And so if you're not there already, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. And all throughout this psalm, we keep seeing this prayer for help as it starts out. There's a, there's a, there's a prayer for help, and then there's a song of praise. A prayer for help, and then a song of praise. As we get to look into the mind and thoughts of what our Lord Jesus is thinking as He hangs on the cross. So let's read Psalm 22 together. Psalm 22, and God's Word says, For the choir director, according to Ajdaleth, Hashashar, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my salvation are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I call by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Yet, you are holy, enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you rescued them. To you they cried out and were granted escape. In you they trusted and were not disappointed, but I am a worm, not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They smack their lip, they wag their head, saying, Commit yourself to Yahweh, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him because he delights in him. Yet you are he who brought me out of the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for distress is near, for there is, there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me. As a lion that tears and roars, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Yahweh, be not far off. O my strength, hasten to my help. Deliver my soul from the sword. O my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will surely recount your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear Yahweh, praise him. All you seed of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you seed of Israel. For he has not despised, and he has not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. But when he cried out to him for help, he heard. Of you is my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise Yahweh. May your heart live forever. 
All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to Yahweh. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is Yahweh's. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him. Even he who could not keep his soul alive, their seed will serve him. It will be recounted about the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done it. And that ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's go to the Lord and let's have him bless our time together in his word today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word. And when we walk through your word, Lord, we we, we ask that it changes us. That when we read it and, 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 and meditate on it, Lord, that we change. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit be our teacher today and preach a better message than I have prepared. Father, let us see your greatness and our Lord Jesus' greatness and, and what you did so we can be forgiven. And Father, we ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So today we come to this part of the Psalm 22 where we, we see a mood change going on. There, there's, this, there's this change in tone going on here. We've had this suffering servant throughout this beginning here, verses 1 through 21. And so when we match up with what happened with what went on during and after the cross, we get a sense that the resurrection has now happened. And so today we'll look at these verses 22 through 31, and we'll see three truths today. The first truth, as we look at verses 22 through 24, we're going to see the Son honoring the Father. The Son honoring the Father. The second truth, as we look at verses 25 through 29, we see this worship for both the Father and the Son. Worship for both the Father and the Son. And then the third truth, as we look at verses 30 and 31, we see this praise of the future generations to come. Praise of future generations to come. So as we look at verses 22 to 31, again, we have this major change going on within Psalm 22. The suffering seems to be over, and now we have the Son honoring His Father And we have the worship for both the Father and the Son. And then we get to see us. We come into this psalm. The future generation still yet to come where we'll praise the Lord. And so let's dive into the rest of Psalm 22. The first truth. The first truth. The Son honors the Father. Verses 22 through 24. And again, as we look at Psalm 22, we have this, this switch going on here. Again, it's, if we line this psalm up with the crucifixion, we see it's fulfilled in its fullest way. And so now in these remaining verses, what happened after the crucifixion? Well, we have the resurrection. And again, these verses fit so well with the resurrection. So let's look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, I will surely recount your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly I will praise you. So after our Lord Jesus rose from the grave, where did he go? Well, he went to meet his brethren. Remember, he told Mary, go tell his disciples that he is alive. And he went and met with them. And he was alive again. And so we have this praise. It says, in the midst of the assembly or the congregation, I will praise you. 
And he lifts up praise to his Father. Why? Well, the resurrection has taken place. God the Father was completely satisfied in what his Son did. And to show the world that he was, our Lord Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. You know, I think we always have a tendency to look at the crucifixion as a tragedy. And in many ways, we can understand that because it is extremely painful for us to watch and see an innocent man having to suffer the beatings and the pain and the agony because of our sins. Our Lord Jesus went through this, the excruciating event. But really, the cross... The cross is a beautiful achievement. It was planned out before the foundation of the world. It's it's a beautiful plan where God himself would leave the throne room of heaven, take on flesh, and become the perfect lamb of God to once and for all take care of the guilt and the shame because of sin. I read 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25 as our call to worship, and it's interesting Paul talks about the foolishness of the cross to the sinful man. But this beautiful, simple plan that God had. His blood for our sin. We get His righteousness, and He gets our sin. They call it the great exchange. And it's interesting, we think about the crucifixion from our, Lord, from our Heavenly Father's point of view. If we think about, how do you think God felt about all that? It was His plan But how do you think he felt watching his son get spit on, get beaten, beaten beyond recognition, then getting nailed to a cross? And again, it was all his plan, but how hard it must have been for the father to watch all that. And what that shows us is his love for us. To have his son endure all that for you and for me because of our sins. And so we have the resurrection. Our Lord Jesus is alive. And so he honors his father. And notice in verse 22, there's this, I will surely recount your name. Our Lord Jesus is praising his Father, but now he will, he will show it. it'll also be Israel. It's going to start to branch out. Our Lord Jesus is praising his Father, but now so will Israel. Notice verse 23, it begins to branch out. Verse 23 says, you who fear Yahweh, praise him. All you seed of Jacob, glorify him. So now it's all you, Yahweh fearers, those who fear Yahweh. All you seed of Jacob, that's Israel. And in the book of Hebrews, that's in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews 2, 10 through 12, it, it applies Psalm 22 and these verses 22 through 24. Hebrews 2, 10 through 12 says, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will recount your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly. I will sing your praise. So the purpose of the sufferings of our Lord, the reason why He willingly went to the cross and endured those sufferings was so He could gather together a people, to gather those 
that the Father had chosen before the foundation of the world to save them so that he would rightly and unashamedly call people like us who now believe in him brothers and sisters. Here we have God himself who took on flesh, who suffered so much for us. It was our sins that drove him to the cross. Remember, it wasn't the nails that kept him up there. It was his love for us and his Father. And now through all of that, he can call us brothers and sisters. So our Lord doesn't just receive us. No, he gladly receives us. He joyfully receives us as intimate family. And because of that, not only our Lord, but also Israel and beyond should praise the Father and praise the name of our Lord Jesus. So here in verses 22 and 23, when David wrote, I will surely recount your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear Yahweh, praise him. All you seed of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you seed of Israel. Why should we praise the Father? Well, look at verse 24. Verse 24 of Psalm 22 says, For he has not despised, and he has not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him for help, he heard. Our Lord Jesus knew his heavenly Father would not abandon him on the cross. Even though he was was giving over his life, he was entering into death. Even so, when when our Father is pouring out his wrath on his Son... And here's the amazing part of this. The Father's wrath was exhausted out. The Father poured out all His wrath until He had no more. Think about that. Think about that. God Almighty is pouring out His wrath on His sinless Son and He poured out so much that He had no more. Again, this is why only God could take God's wrath. This is why Jesus is the only way. He's the only one that could have withstood all of God's wrath. But even through all of that, our Lord Jesus completely trusted His Father. And when His wrath was all spent, when His wrath is all gone, the Father heard the cry for help and He was faithful to rush to answer. And so what do we do with all of this? Well, we see that our Lord is both the object and the source of our praise. We worship this great God of mercy. We honor Him. And this leads to the second truth. The first truth was the Son honors the Father. And now the second truth is the worship of the Father and the Son. Verses 25-29. through The worship of the Father and the Son. Look at verse 25. Of you is my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear Him. So in verse 25, we have this picture of someone making a vow to praise the Father before everything, before all. David's saying, I'm, I'm going to keep my commitments, my promises that, 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 made, that I made to the Father before the foundation of the world. I will forever thank and praise God who has shown such great mercy. God, I'll praise you and I'll live for you forever and I'll fulfill my promise because you fulfilled yours. And then verse 26, and the afflicted will eat and be satisfied. So those poor, those poor in spirit, those that the world despises, they will share in this joy. Our Lord Jesus said in John 6, 35, He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
God the Father is our provider, and Jesus the Son is the bread of life. And so the afflicted will share in this feast. And who else will share in it? Well, the rest of verse 26 says, those who seek Him will praise Yahweh. Those who seek Him will find Him. It says, may your heart live forever. Notice it's this expanding out still further. Remember, it began with I will, and then all you Israel. And now it's the afflicted and those who seek Him. And it expands out even further. Look at verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to Yahweh. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. Again, the reason our worship is that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is alive. The Father heard His cries and delivered Him. And we here we have this foretelling of the church. That someday even the Gentiles will worship the risen Lord. All the ends of the earth will remember. Remember what? Remember how lost they were. How they worshipped their idols instead of Yahweh. And they will remember the glorious words and the glorious works of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what He did and how He suffered for them. And when they do, they will worship before Him. And then verse 28, For the kingdom is Yahweh's, and He rules over the nations. So through all the pain and the suffering, our Lord Jesus didn't lose heart. He didn't doubt for a second that His Father wasn't going to take care of Him. He had complete confidence in His Father's power and authority. And there's coming a day, still future to us, when all the nations will gather around our Lord Jesus as the Father hands over that power and authority to Him in the coming millennium and then forever. And they will give to our Lord Jesus the honor that He finally deserves as well. And all the nations will recognize, they will recognize His glory. And they will honor Him. And it will flow out with praises to Him. All of that flowing from the act of what our Lord Jesus did on the cross. His obedience and trust in His Father. We see this expressed in the book of Daniel. I think Pastor Brandon brought this up in his sermon either last week or a couple weeks back. But in Daniel chapter 7, in Daniel 7 and verses 13 and 14, Daniel wrote this. Daniel said, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, and he came near before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every tongue might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and will not be taken away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed." Our Lord Jesus is the rightful ruler over the kingdoms because of what He did on the cross. Messiah is not only the King of the Jews, but He is the King. And He will have an earthly kingdom. Look at verse 29. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. So now we have the high and the low, the rich and the poor. All mankind are invited to partake in this gospel feast. Everyone will partake in this. And verse 29 ends with, all those who go down to the dust will bow before Him. This part of verse 29 reminds us of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 8 through 11. Philippians 2, 8 through 11, Paul said this, being found in the appearance of, As a man, he humbled himself 
but becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And verse 29 ends with, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. There's only one way to everlasting life. That's through our, our Lord Jesus. So even those who have rejected our Lord as Savior, He is still Lord over them. And they will still unwillingly bow to Him. Everything that our Lord Jesus suffered, the rejection of the Father, the Father pouring out His wrath on Him, the rejection of man, the excruciating pain of the crucifixion, all of it results in our Lord Jesus' enthronement in the glory, and to all of it to His glory, to the praise of God the Father. And we can find verses 26 through 29 in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 25 and verses 6 through 9. This is in Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. It says, And Yahweh of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And Lord Yahweh will wipe tears away from all faces. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For Yahweh has spoken. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God in whom we have hoped that he would save us. This is Yahweh in whom we have hoped. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So once rejected, the Lord Jesus will one day be recognized by everyone and his mercy will extend into the future generations. Which brings us to the third truth. The first truth was the Son honors the Father. The second truth was the worship for the Father and the Son. And now the third truth, we see this, this praise branching out. And now it's going out to future generations to come. Verses 30 and 31, again, it's, remember it started out with this, I will praise you. And then it moves to Israel will praise you. And then the ends of the earth will praise you. And now we see future generations still to come will praise you. Look at verse 30. Their seed will serve him. Their seed or offspring, children, child, descendants. Some translations may have posterity here. The meaning of descendants. So in each and every generation to come, there will be a remnant that will serve our Lord. The church is founded on the rock, our Lord Jesus. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So as long as the world endures, our Lord will always have worshipers. A seed which will serve Him. And then verse 30 goes on. It will be recanted about the Lord to the coming generation. So in other words, there are people yet to be born, and this is us, when this was written, who certainly will hear about these glories. And they will respond in praise and worship. There are, there are people yet born who are going to join in this wonderful, magnificent praise 
this joyful praise. And they're going to hear of these glories that's, that's just happened to you and me. That's, a we, that's where we fit in. We heard them and what did we hear? Verse 31. Verse 31 says, They will come and they will declare His righteousness. That's seeing God the Father's wonderful grace and mercy to mankind in giving us our Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospel for creating a plan before the foundation of the world for sinners to be saved and then carrying out that plan to perfection. And the Lamb of God, who by His righteousness we are made righteous. And then verse 31 ends with this amazing statement. To a people who will be born, again, it begins with I will, then Israel will, then all the earth will, and now to a people that will be born, to generations yet to come. This is about us. When David wrote this, he's talking about us. To a people who will be born, they will praise Him. Again, why? The last part of verse 31 is amazing. It says that He has done it. It's interesting that Psalm 22 begins with the first words that our Lord Jesus said on the cross. And this psalm ends with that He has done it. And what were the last words of our Lord Jesus as He died on the cross? He said, it is finished. It is done. Our Lord Jesus finished the work that had begun before the foundation of the world was ever formed. From the beginning of time, God had always planned to send His Son to die for sinners. This was the promise to Adam. Remember, He made to Adam in Genesis 3.15. This was foreshadowed in the offerings and the sacrifices of the temple and the tabernacle. Everything God did pointed to this day when Jesus laid down His life willingly on the cross. And I love how everything fits together. We didn't plan any of this this morning. <laughs> I was just thinking about this. In our hermeneutics class, we were reading Acts chapter 17, and we pointed out that Paul would go to the synagogue, and he would reason with the Jews by using the Scriptures to show them that Christ, that Christ had to come and suffer, die, be buried, and then raise again. And, and he used the Scriptures to do that. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, God's plan of salvation is laid out. But no one could see it. No one could understand it. But everything God did pointed to this day when Jesus would lay down His life, willingly on the cross. And when our Lord Jesus said those wonderful words, it is finished, it meant that God the Father, after pouring out His wrath on His Son, was satisfied with what Jesus the Son had done on the cross God accepted the Son's death and the shed blood as the perfect payment for our sins. And what He did on the cross satisfied, it appeased God the Father, the plan was fulfilled, and the greatest thing our Lord Jesus ever said was, it is finished. It is finished. Because now we can enjoy salvation through His blood. We can now have fellowship with God the Father knowing that He will accept us because we believe on His Son. And this is why... All we can say, all we can do is praise be to this God, praise be to this Christ, and never let this story stop being told. Psalm 22, this is an amazing psalm of David that begins with this abandonment and suffering, but through all of that, we see this amazing trust in the Father. We see this excruciating pain of the crucifixion, but there's a complete trust in the Father through it all. And then we have this amazing 
change in the tone. And we see the resurrection. And then we see this praise and this worship. We have the Son honoring the Father. And then we have this, this growing out, this, this expanding worship and praise of the Father and the Son. And it ends with this wonderful account of how still yet future generations will hear of what our Lord did and will worship and praise Him for it. And on it goes, generation to generation. Psalm 22, the suffering shepherd. And so as we conclude, as we, as we wrap up this wonderful psalm, David wrote this psalm as the Holy Spirit guided him along. And he allowed us inside the mind of our Lord Jesus as he hung on the cross. And what we get to see is this, this perfect Lamb of God remaining faithful to his Father all the way to death. He suffered unimaginable pain and isolation, but he never lost his trust in the Father. He came to die. He came to suffer. And he did it just as it was planned. And even in those three hours of darkness, when darkness hit, and God the Father turned his wrath on his Son, and our Lord Jesus, who's taking on our sin, and for the first time ever, he couldn't call his Father, Father. He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He couldn't call him Father because he was in our shoes now. But he still called him my God. It's still personal. And everything was going on as it was planned. And so because of this, we are forever grateful to God the Father who sent his Son, the perfect Lamb of God, to save us. And if none of this were true, nothing would matter because we'd all still be lost. But we understand that our salvation is fully a work of God, that He is worthy of all our praise, for He has provided for us salvation. It is a gift. It has been given to us. It is all God's work and all the glory belongs to Him. I think Paul said it better in Ephesians than I could ever say. Paul said in Ephesians 1, in verses 3 through 6, in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ, just as He chose us before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love, by predestining us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He graciously bestowed on us in the Beloved. So how did He redeem us? It was through His blood. He paid the price. The wages of sin is death. The price of redemption is death. The price of redemption is shed blood. And he paid that price. It wasn't easy to pay that price. He took on human form. He, he came into the world. He died on the cross. He poured out his blood as a sacrifice for sin, but he paid the price to buy us back. That's why the blood of our Lord Jesus is so precious. And so we praise and we worship him for that. And he alone is worthy of all the glory. And it's amazing that we, that we are mentioned in this psalm because we are the future generations that are still praising Him today. And we will, and it will go on forever and ever praising Him. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, as we look at this psalm written by David, almost a thousand years before your son was even born, we are so thankful as we, as we take in all that our Lord Jesus went through. Father, he fulfilled the plan that you had before the foundation of the world. That now we can be saved because of the blood of the Lamb of God who shed his blood and died and then rose. You were satisfied. That's why you raised him from the dead. And he's alive right now. And we thank you and we praise you for that. We praise you now and forever. We ask that you give us, give us hearts that are just full of praise for you always, always, Lord. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.